know, one of the interesting things that I find is, is that people that actually have a real encounter with God are never the same. Amen. Are never actually the same. There's a, a Christian author out there, um, and one of the things that I, I was listening to a podcast that, that he was on, and his name is Francis Chan. And one, he was, uh, they asked Francis about people that were deconstructing their faith, that were basically walking away from a relationship with God. And one of the things that Francis Chan said that just hit me was, you know, you never watch an individual that's had a true encounter with the living God walk away from their faith. Because they can't. Because they've actually experienced the living God. And they can't deny that the living God exists and moves and wants to work in their life. The people that tend to walk away from a relationship with God are people that never actually had an encounter with him. See, in the Old Testament, we have this person by the name of Jacob who wrestled with God all night. Now, what's, that? what's with that? How do you wrestle with God all night long? I mean, how are you not? And sure enough, you know, eventually God says, Jake, I'm going to give you a reminder of this night. And he touches them right here in the, in the hip, and then he's, he limps the rest of his days, right? He had, he had a physical realization, a physical reminder that he had had an encounter with the real God. Moses, Moses sees a bush that keeps burning. And he has an encounter with the real God. And as a result of that encounter, he's never the same. And God is able to take this, this man who's a shepherd and actually use him to just marvelously bring his people out Bring his people out of Israel into eventually the, the, the very gate of the promised land. Why? Because he's had an encounter with the living God. Nehemiah, Nehemiah hears from God and God says to him, I want you to go back to Jerusalem. You're living in captivity now in Babylonia. I want you to move back to Jerusalem and I want you to build a wall around my city so that the people of God stop being taken advantage of. See, there is a, his people, God's people, were continually being taken advantage of by people who were walking by. And God says, I'm sick and tired of my people being taken advantage of. Nehemiah, I want you to go and build a wall. And Nehemiah has all kinds of opposition when he's building that wall. And he has people that want to kill him and want to get rid of him. But the deal is, is that Nehemiah had had a real encounter with the real God. And there ain't no one that's going to be able to stop him from doing what God called him to do. Now again, if you don't have a real encounter with a real God, then all kinds of things can stop you. But if you'll have a real encounter with the real God, there's nothing that will stop you from all that he has for you. Now people will try, people will try, but you'll keep pushing no matter what. Now what I love about the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus is that all kinds of people had encounters with the living God. Jesus himself, God incarnate, God in bod. That's who Jesus was. And, and people had to get it. So Jesus has this encounter with a woman at the well, and she's filled with shame, and she's filled with embarrassment, and Jesus has an encounter with her, and this woman is never the same again. She goes back home, and she says, can I tell you about a man who knows everything about me? I think he's the Messiah. What happens in her life is that her life is thoroughly changed because she had an encounter with the real God. An encounter with the real So let me just ask you, 
Have you let yourself have an encounter with the real God? One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories, and one of my favorite verses in the New Testament of the Bible. I just love this. This is just so much fun. Let me read this for you if I can. This is out of Mark chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples left Jericho, a large crowd followed him. And there was a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. Say Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. Awesome. He was the son of Timaeus. So therefore he was called Bartimaeus. And he was sitting beside the road. And he was what? What was he? Great. He was sitting and he was what? Blind. He couldn't see. Great. Twelve of you are, are listening. That's awesome. And when Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, oh my gosh, my eye patches went whack. Okay, here we go. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. Watch it sound, person. Jesus, son of God, have mercy on me. Now get the idea. He's what? But he hears this commotion going on around him. And he hears, oh, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. And he's heard that Jesus has healed people, even blind people. So what does he do? He shouts, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. That's what he says. Be quiet, many of the people said. They yelled at him. They yelled at him. Hey, shut up. But he only shouted louder. I love it. <laughs> son of David. Have mercy on me. He's just being obnoxious. That's what he's being. But that's okay. And when Jesus heard him, he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Now there's a whole other message for a whole other day I don't have to get into. But watch this. The very people that ridicule you end up turning around and being the people. Oh, come on, come on now. Where were you a second ago? You were the very one that was trying to shut my mouth, and now you're telling me, oh, come on, come on. Stop listening to the crowd. How, how hungry are you to be healed? How hungry? That's another message for another day. Bartimaeus, well, he threw aside his coat, and he jumped up, and he came to Jesus. That's another message for another day. What do you need to lay aside so you can receive your healing? And, but this is my favorite verse. This is my favorite verse, verse 51. So Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. So he's standing in front of Jesus, right? Now he doesn't know because he's blind, but he's standing in front of Jesus. And Jesus asked him this question. What do you want me to do for you? What, what do you... Is there a stupider question you've ever heard? And this is coming from the God, the Messiah, right? This is coming from God himself. Bartimaeus, what, what do you think I want you to do for me? I want you to put my money, some money in my 401k. That's what I want. I want to drive a new car. They didn't have cars back then. Okay? What do you think? I, 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 what do you think I want, Right? Could it be, could it be that Jesus was very aware, of course, of Bartimaeus' blindness, but could it be that there was a deeper hurt and pain 
and blindness in Bartimaeus' life. And Jesus was saying, Bart, what do you really want me to do for you? Everybody can see this. I can heal that without a problem. My question is, Bart, do you really want to get healed from the inside out? Because, Bart, you have sat and begged your entire life. And now you have a mentality of being a beggar. Bart, do you want me to heal that? Bart, when you were a kid, people ridiculed you because you were blind, because you couldn't see. You could never play baseball because you couldn't see the ball. You could never play basketball because you couldn't see the hoop. Bartimaeus, people have been making fun of you your whole life. You've got a mentality right now of being a loser. Do you want me to heal that as well? Bart, what do you want me to do for you? Could it be that actually Bart left some healing on the table that Jesus actually wanted to bring? Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Do you remember? Did anyone in this room, when you were a kid, ever play the game hide-and-go-seek? Anybody? Did anybody ever get hurt playing hide-and-go-seek? Okay, remember that? Like you're running in the dark and all this kind of stuff. Bam! You know, like I didn't see that coming, right? And um, so here's the thing. I'm just wondering, anyone in the room still playing hide-and-go-seek? But in a much more sophisticated way? Oh, you've got this outward thing for the whole world to see. Everybody sees this outward persona. They see it. But I'm just wondering, what's really true on the inside? Everyone could see Bartimaeus' outside condition. Jesus could see his inside condition. Bartimaeus, what do you want me to do for you? What? What if Jesus wants to actually do some healing, physical, emotional, and spiritual? Can we go back to the very beginning? Adam and Eve. So, Adam and Eve... They messed up. They sinned, right? We all know that. We get it. And, and do you remember what they did once they'd messed up? They, they, they wanted to conceal themselves. They wanted to hide it. At that moment, Genesis 3, 7, at that moment their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves up. What happened? They felt exposed and they didn't like feeling exposed, so they began to cover themselves up. Can I ask you a question? When did you start covering up your heart? When did you start covering up your soul? Some of, you have, some of you were deeply hurt by someone else. Someone did something to you that they never should have done. Someone said something to you that they never should have said. And when that happened, you began to build a wall, a safety wall around your heart. And it's been there ever since. Oh, no, don't get me wrong. 
You can walk here to the inner city. You can put on a happy face. You got the happy face down. The good news is you don't have a gap in your teeth the size of the Mississippi River like I do. But you can still put on a happy face and walk around. You can. Yes, you can. But can I ask you a question? You got some walls around your heart? And, 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 and what's interesting about Adam and Eve, of course, is that sometimes we create our own walls by our own actions. We do things that we wish we wouldn't have done. And then we feel shame and hurt and pain. We feel like we're damaged goods at that point. And so then we just try and cover things up. But here's the deal. The result is the same. Whether someone else did it to us or we did it to ourselves, we still conceal ourselves. And can I just say this? When we bury it, all we've done is conceal it, not heal it. When we bury it, all we do is conceal it, not heal it. Jesus, who loves us so much, is here and actually is inviting us on March 19th, 2023, to actually experience healing. There's an invitation on the table this morning to stop concealing and to allow him to heal. And can I say it this way? Some of you have been concealing for decades and decades. And could this morning be your freedom day this morning? Maybe Holy Spirit is saying to you, through the words of Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know what happened with Adam and Eve? They never allowed God to actually heal them. You know how I know that? They ended up, they ended up having, I think anyways, of course Scripture doesn't say this, but you kind of read between the lines. You get the idea that what ended up happening is they ended up having a pretty dysfunctional home. Because you've got these two boys that are raised, Cain and Abel, and of course girls as well. But Cain ends up killing Abel. So you've got a dysfunctional home situation, such a fact that Cain is now growing up, and he's, he's just, there's just stuff that's broken in their household. And here's why. Because whatever we don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform, we transmit. Whatever you don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform in. See, here's the deal. I have no idea what your mama and your daddy passed on to you. How, how many of you have ever had this thing? How many of you ever said, you, you remember saying to yourself as a kid, when I'm their age, I ain't doing that. And then you are your age, and guess what you find yourself doing? Right? I'll never forget, like, I grew up in church, totally grew up in church, and, and my mom was a piano player. And we grew up in this huge church, thousands of people. And my mom played the piano all the years I was growing up. And amazing, she could play, my mom could play anything she heard on the radio when she was four years old on the piano. Just gifted by God in that way. She's 80-some years old. She can still play the piano. She's amazing. She's an artist in that way. So what that meant was is that we showed up at church every Sunday morning. No lie. We showed up at church at 7.30 in the morning. We were at church at 7.30, and we didn't get done with church until, well, a little afternoon. So there was five hours at church. Church was just our thing. And again, it, wasn't, it was a huge church. And then we, of course, had Sunday night service back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth, and they had Sunday night services. 
And so we had Sunday night service. So, so what, what happened is, is that we'd get in the car about 12.15 or 12.20, and, it's, it, you know, my, we've been at church all morning long, and this would happen every week. Can you say every? every. Week. This is what happened. My dad, my mom would get in the car. I'd be in the back seat. I have two older brothers. By this time, they've already moved out and gotten married. I'm in the back seat. My dad turns to my mom, and he says, my mom's name is, my mom's name is Miriam. Miriam, where would you like to go eat? We're going to go out to eat somewhere. Where would you like to go? I don't care, Roy. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Miriam, really, I know you've been playing hard all morning long. I'm sure you're tired. Where would you like to go eat? Roy, really, it doesn't matter to me. Where would you like to go? Miriam, really, I, I'm sitting in the back seat. Which stop I make a decision? <laughs> right? Because they would almost go to blows here. I mean, my mom would be so exasperated that my dad would not make the decision that she would just get ticked. We just got out of church, sanctified and everything, and now there's World War IV happening in our car. And this didn't happen once. If this happened once, it happened a thousand times growing up. And it's really, really funny. Until I get married. And I'm a preacher. So I get in the car. And I turn to my wife, Mary. And I say, Mary, where do you want to go eat? And she goes, I don't care. Where do you want to go? Holy shaboy! I'm living it out. Now, that's really funny. But you know and I know that there are some destructive things, some soul things that we learned from our parents. And whatever we don't allow the Holy Spirit to transform, we will transmit to our kids. So here's the deal. For the sake of the next generation and their generation, could we allow today to be a freedom day for us? Can I be as honest with you as I know how to be? I don't know you well enough to be this transparent. But I so want the Holy Spirit to do his work. My dear daddy, who knew Jesus and loved Jesus, I think got really hurt in a relationship. Maybe when he was 17 or 18 or 19 years old, something like that. He would meet my mom when he was 24. And my mom was 15. He didn't find out. He asked my mom to marry him. Didn't find out how old she was until they were going to go get the wedding license. And she said, well, my dad's going to have to go with me because I'm not 16 yet. My dad was a whole nother deal. <laughs> but here's the thing. He was deeply hurt when he was 17 or 18 or 19 years old. And he put a wall of protection around his heart. And he never allowed the Holy Spirit to bring that wall down. So there was no emotional connection with my dad. Now, can I tell you something? My dad was deeply respected in church. He sat on the church board. My dad was a really nice guy. A really nice guy. Everybody loved Roy Conrad, who's gone on to be with Jesus. Oh, and man, he was, he was really good at sitting in, 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 in church services. He sat here Sunday. He sat through thousands and thousands of, of worship services. 
He read his Bible every day. He worked for AT&T for 30 plus years. Before he ever went to work in the morning, he'd open up his Bible. He'd read, he'd pray. He was a good guy. He grew up on a farm. So because of that, chores were a regular thing. So he'd, he'd, get, I'd never, he'd get up early, he'd get up at 4, 35 o'clock in the morning and he would literally wax the floor of our kitchen before he went off to work. He was a nice guy. He was a much better cook than my mom was, praise be to Jesus. <laughs> Never let the Holy Spirit heal him. Who here this morning is just like my daddy? You sat through a whole lot of services. You sat through a whole lot of religious meetings. But have you allowed the Holy Spirit to actually go back and bring healing to the very place where you got deeply hurt? And allow him to begin to change you from the inside out. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's an invitation on the table by the Holy Spirit to actually allow him to bring healing. But here's the deal. You've got to be willing for just a minute between you and God. You don't have to tell anybody else about it at first. You don't. But are you willing to at least be real between you and God and saying, God, this is the area that I've held on to for so long. Maybe nobody else knows it. Maybe I was raped and I didn't tell anybody else about it. Maybe I was abused and I never told anybody else about it. Or maybe a couple people know, but the truth of the matter is, is that someone said something or someone did something that was deeply hurtful and I've just allowed that to sit there and fester and I've never really, really dealt with it. And no lie, I I can come to church and I can raise my hands and I can sing praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit three in one. I can sing it. I might even raise my hand. But have I actually allowed you to bring healing? See, Jesus had so much he wanted to do through Bartimaeus. Not just heal his eyes. What is the invitation on the table from Holy Spirit for you? Can, are you willing, are you willing to be brave enough just in the presence of Holy Spirit, not in front of anybody else, but just in his presence, are you willing to go back? And I understand it might be too scary to do it in a public place like this. I get it. But are you willing in your own spirit, in your own heart later today, are you willing to get alone and actually say, Holy Spirit, would you bring healing to that place? I open myself up right now. I want you to bring healing. I don't, want, I don't want to live anymore with that stuff inside of me that I'm, because I see right now that I'm transferring it onto other people. I'm transmitting it onto other people. I actually want you to transform me. Can I tell you? I'm 57 years old. My experience happened when I was seven. And it's only been in the last six or seven months that I've actually allowed the Holy Spirit to bring healing to that. Now, can I ask you, or can I just, here's the thing. When we build a wall, 
Do you know what we tend to do? <coughs> Excuse me. We tend, we, we tend to hide behind things. I run, but I obviously don't work out. Uh, we hide behind things. Uh, we hide behind sarcasm. We hide behind workaholism. We hide behind a victim mentality. We hide. We hide behind shame. And guess what? Nobody can see past this. Uh, you probably could tell a second ago that I, I took my shoes off, but you can't tell because I'm behind this that I took my shoes off and I now have no shoes. See, we can hide behind things and nobody knows it. Some people, some people get behind status. It's just, oh, if I can just get to certain, certain status, then everything will be okay. That's, some people hide behind sexual escapades. If I can just have sex with enough people. Some people hide behind porn. Some people hide behind gaming till 2 o'clock in the morning. I'll just game and game and game till 2 o'clock in the morning and I'll just, some people hide behind reels. TikTok just hour after hour after hour. What do you hide behind? Because you're hiding behind something. If you, you, and I, I don't mean that cruel, but if we don't, if we, if we can't allow our hearts to be exposed, then we've got to hide behind something. And Jesus is saying, I'd actually like you to get rid of that. Because I made you to live free. I didn't made you to hide behind that. And Jesus said, he who the sun sets free is free indeed. I want to be free. I want to be free. And I'll just be as candid with you as I know how to be. In these last six or seven months, this Holy Spirit has made me aware, you know, as Jesus has come to me and said, okay, Chris, you really want to be healed? This is what it's going to look like. You're going to have to get really real about the things that you've been hiding behind. But if you'll let me free you, there's a, if you'll let me, I will transform you into the person I originally created you to be. Because you see, my daddy is in the presence of Jesus now. He went to his grave never experiencing freedom. I don't want you to go to your grave without experiencing all Jesus has for you. He died for you to experience it. He wants you to experience it. He's got it for you. So, if I can, let me end by saying this. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. <laughs> Jesus could look right past Bartimaeus' blindness into his heart. Jesus knew everything about him. And guess what? Jesus knows everything about you. You can't hide anything from Jesus. I love the psalmist. This is, by the way, out of Psalm 139. You know when I sit or stand up, 
You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Dang it, you know my thoughts. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me I, and, and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I can't hide from you because to you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you, God. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you knit me together in my mother's womb. Before I was ever a twinkle in anybody's eye, you knew me, God. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. By the way, by the way, this is just for somebody in this room. You know you're healed and you're whole when you can look in the mirror and not be dissatisfied by what you see. Stop trying to be someone else. Stop shaming yourself. Stop mirror shaming yourself. <laughs> David writes, and he, thank, you, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. He's saying, God, I like what you made. You like what you made. It is okay to look in the mirror uh, and I'm just, I don't mean this word, but women, hear my heart here. It's okay to look in the mirror whether you're a size 2 or you're a size 22. It doesn't matter. You can look in the mirror and know that God made you wonderfully. And he celebrates who you are. So stop shaming yourself. And guys, stop thinking that you've got to look like someone else. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every, say every. every. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. They cannot be numbered. God is thinking about you all the stinking time. He never stops thinking about you. I can't even count how often you're thinking about me. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you're still with me. And then he says this. Search me. God, you know everything about me. You know everything about everything. So God, I'm inviting you now, David writes, and could we echo those words? God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know each and every one of my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. There's a path that God has that leads you to abundant life. And the Holy Spirit has that for you. And he wants you to move into that. And he wants you to forget the, forget the things that have gone on in the past as far as their ability to negatively affect you. 
I'm not saying you'll always forget them. What I'm saying is, is that they don't any longer have to keep you and hold you any longer. God wants to free you. God wants to free you. So I'll ask one final time. Jesus is saying to you, what do you want me to do for you? And now I'm begging you, as Chris Conrad, please don't be like my daddy. And please don't wait another day. I waited till I was 57. Please don't wait another day. Please allow the Holy Spirit to come and bring healing to the very places where you need it the most so that you can actually experience healing. You don't have to be a person who has a temper. You don't have to be a person that walks through life with this huge amount of sarcasm and a huge chip on your shoulder. That doesn't have to be who you are. You can be defined by a man or a woman who's been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, and you are no longer the same. Now, here's the thing. We're going to pray. And as we pray, I'm going to invite you to stand in just a second as we pray. And Unison has some wonderful, wonderful prayer partners that are going to be up here in the front. And you can come and pray with them if you want to. And some of you, some of you, I really want to encourage you, some of you should do that. And you don't have to name it. You don't have to name it all. You can just say, Man, Holy Spirit has really spoken to me. And I'm just coming forward right now to say to you that I'm going to go spend some time alone with the Holy Spirit later today. And I'm asking you to hold me accountable that I do it. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave here and other things are going to fill your, your mind and your time. And someone's going to cut you off in traffic and you're going to, you know, and you're going to forget So maybe you need, need to come to the front and maybe you'll tell them what is going on and they'll pray with you, but maybe you just say, I just need you to hold me accountable that I'll actually go home and do the work the Holy Spirit is inviting me to do. But even if you don't come front, come to the front. Listen, gang. All I am is a spokesman. I'm no one special. I know that. But God loves you so much that he doesn't want you to walk through life with that, those things that are keeping you from all that he has for you. He brought you here this morning so you could hear. And don't you dare listen to those other voices that are telling you to shut up, like blind Bartimaeus. Don't you dare listen to those other voices. Listen to the voice of your heavenly father say, come, bring her Bring him. What do you want me to do for you? Would you stand? So Holy Spirit of God, thank you that you know everything about us. Thank you that you were right there when that person said what they said or that person did what they did.
And thank you that you are powerful enough to bring healing and wholeness. God, I've watched you time and time and time again bring healing to men and women that were sexually abused. I've watched you time and time again heal people who grew up in abusive homes where they were beaten or where they were attacked verbally all the time. God, I've, I've watched you heal men and women who grew up in situations or who had an experience that was unfortunately a negatively defining moment in their life and you've brought healing. Jesus, we just are so grateful for the fact that you are strong enough to bring healing. You healed Bartimaeus. You wanted to do more, I think. Could it be that this morning, March 19th, 2023, that we would allow you to do the healing you really want to do in our life? Now, God, for those who need a physical touch, like they got a diagnosis recently or something's going on in their physical body, I pray in Jesus' name right now for healing. I pray that you would heal their body, God. Pray that you would heal their body. Pray that you would heal their body in Jesus' name. God, for people that need your help in their finances, I pray that you would bring hope and restoration to their finances, God. I pray that you would do that. Give them wisdom and discernment, God. Give them hope, I pray. God, for marriages that are here and they're crumbling. Oh, they're here and they're smiling and everything, but their inside of their marriage is crumbling. I pray that this morning you would begin, they would hear you say, what do you want me to do for you? And they would say, oh God, would you heal my marriage? Oh God, would you heal us? Would you bring us to a place of wisdom and discernment concerning our marriage, God? God, you know that there are parents here this morning who are watching their kids make unfortunate and, and really sad decisions. And what, what you're saying to them is, oh, oh, parent, would you trust me with your kids? Continue to hit your knees and pray, but, but watch me. And God, I pray that you would bring estranged relationships back to healing places again, God. Relationships that are estranged. And God, there are people in this room who are filled with anger and bitterness and resentment because of what someone did in a relationship to them in the past. And I pray that you would free them today of that thing. Free them of that thing. So God, whether it happens in this space or a place where they build an altar at home or in their car, just you and them, I pray that today would be their freedom day. Today would be their freedom day. Today would be their freedom day. And they would begin to walk around and dance around with joy and expectation of what their new life is going to be. I can't imagine what would have, what, how my dad would have been so different if he would have allowed you to heal him, God. I'm going to break prayer. Would you look at me? I really am almost done, and I'll shut my mouth, but let me say this. At my dear daddy's funeral... I have two, as I said, I've got two older brothers. And one of my elder brothers at the funeral said about my daddy, he said, you know, I can't wait to meet my fully redeemed daddy. And that's true. I can't wait to see who my daddy is, fully redeemed. But you know what? I could have met him here. 
I could have met him here if he would have allowed the Holy Spirit to do what he wanted to do in his life. So Jesus, just like my daddy, there are people that have sat in a whole bunch of church services and haven't allowed you to touch the depths of their heart. I pray today they'd allow you to do that. And there would be healing and there would be wholeness. So that the people around them can actually get to know them fully redeemed and fully whole. So that we, including me, would stop transmitting because we've allowed you to transform us. We love you, God. You're so good to us. Thank you for loving us enough to heal. Thank you for being powerful enough to heal. Thank you for being gentle enough and powerful enough to heal. Now, I'm not going to say amen just because I want to give you that opportunity again to come and pray with someone if you want to do that. Boy, I'd encourage some of you to do that. And I want us to give the gift of just quietness to the people around us. Thank you so much for being here this morning in unison. God's blessings on your life. Let's continue to allow Holy Spirit to work in the ways that he wants to. You're dismissed, but you're also invited to pray, to do whatever you want to do. Thank you so much for being here. We'll see you next Sunday morning. Okay?